Well, welcome. So excited that you're here today. It's a holiday weekend. It's not about quantity. It's about quality today. So you're all our quality people. This next Saturday, on the 2nd of June, the prayer bus. The prayer bus is a ministry of the Sending Project. It's a ministry here in Kansas City. And they're making their 100th stop at a local church to pray for our community and for our church. And so we, obviously, it'd be a shame if they show up and we're not here to pray with them. So we want to encourage you to come next Saturday, 1015 to 1045. It takes 30 minutes. They'll roll in on this bus. They'll get out. We'll pray together. And then they'll go on down to another. They do three churches in a, on, a, on a Saturday. So love for you to be a part of that. Well, in the life of our church, we have exciting things that happen and then also we have things that are hard to, to walk through. And just this week, uh, two different families in our church have lost a significant person in their family. Uh, Mike, we prayed for, his, for him and his mom last week. Mike, our bass player, uh, his mom went to be with the Lord um, this week. And um, also Steve Nichols' father has gone on to be uh, with the Lord as well just a few days ago. And so we know we come with heavy hearts. We come already to, to remember those who have had significant impact on our life. Let's just pray for them. Lord, thank you for your, your word that says that uh, though we grieve, grieve with hope because we know that this, this precious daughter of yours and this precious son of yours who who lived a good long life and loved well and were loved by many are in your presence. And we miss them. And it's going to be hard to figure out life without them because they've been with us for so long. But we know that they're with you and that gives us great hope and great peace. We just pray for the Morris and the Nichols family as they uh, grieve together, as they empty themselves of grief and experience your, the fullness of your comfort. And we lift them up to you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Kelly, where are you at? Oh, there she is. Come on up here real fast. Everyone, this is Kelly Buckler. And Kelly has spent the last 26 years in the hallways of this school. And she would say she's just a janitor. But I would tell you, she is the hands and feet of Jesus. And if you're a student that knew Kelly while you were here at Platte County High School, just raise your hand. Yeah. Wow. And if you would see the amount of students that were impacted in the, the, her Facebook page and the comments, and overwhelmingly, the word that come out more than anything else is just pure joy. But and they that's, brought me more joy than I brought <laughs> <laughs> And that's who she has been. So if you just think you're just blank, don't underestimate the impact you can have on the lives of people by just being joyful and being kind and compassionate and loving and doing your job with excellence. And so we wanted to bless you with these. There's a little gift there and another little gift to remember us by. And I told her, now that you don't work on Sunday morning, you can come back and join us. That would be awesome. No pressure. No pressure. All right, so just give it up for Kelly. Thank you, sweetheart. Oh, bless you. Bless you. Ah, oh, turning your Bibles to Romans chapter 13. So last week, 
we, we started looking at uh, five hard things. And the, the first one is the first scary step, and that is stepping out of or getting out of your comfort zone. It's a hard thing to do. Being in front of people is not Kelly's comfort zone, but impacting the lives of people definitely was. And so the, the second hard thing would be called raising the bar and how to do hard things that go beyond what is expected or required of you. And that is exactly what Kelly did for 26 years. She was hired to clean. She wasn't hired to impact and influence lives for eternity, but that's exactly what she did. She went way beyond what was expected or required of her to do and probably worked harder and uh, did things on the side that nobody ever knew. She never get any recognition for it, but she did it because she knew it was the right thing to do. And which is one of the reasons why I wanted to bless her today. And for today's message, though, I want to flip the script a little bit, and I want you to focus on doing hard things that you are expected to do and required to do as a follower of Jesus Christ. And so that's where we look at Romans chapter 13. And so I want to just uh, look one verse back at the end of Romans chapter 12, which, by the way, Romans 12, if like someone said, Brady, you get one chapter out of the Bible to preach for the rest of your life, it'd probably be Romans chapter 12. That would be the one that I would just carry with me and then I would just preach that wherever I go. Because it gives us ethics, how the house to live, the things that we're supposed to do, things that are expected or required of us. And at the very end of Romans uh, chapter 12, there's one verse that says, do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. And then it goes on in, in 13, and we'll unpack it here in just a, bit, a little bit, but I just want to read it to you. It says, let everyone submit to the governing authorities, since there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are instituted by God. So, th so the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command, and those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. Now listen, real quick, I want to give you some context. Paul's writing this letter to a church. He hasn't been there to visit them yet, but he's heard about them and he's encouraging them. And he's writing to a people that are living underneath the authority of a ruthless person. It wasn't someone that you would respect or appreciate or agree with or whatever. It's someone that was actually harming the very people that he's writing to. But he's telling them, he says, uh, don't resist this authority opposing God's command, and those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Don't you want to be, or says, do you want to be afraid of the authority? Then do what is good, and you will have its approval. For it is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, because it does not carry the sword for no reason. For it is God's servant, an avenger, that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. Therefore, you must submit, not only because of wrath, but also because of your conscience. And for this reason, you pay taxes, since the authority are God's servants, continually attending to these tasks. It says, pay your obligations to everyone, taxes to those you owe taxes, tolls to those you owe tolls, and respect to those you owe respect, and honor to those you owe honor. And we've done that already a few times today. 
And then he goes on to say, Do not owe anyone anything except to love one another, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and any other commandment are summed up by this commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. Besides this, since you know that the time is already, or you know the time, it is already the hour for you to wake up from your sleep, because now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is nearly over and the day is near. So let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk with decency as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity and promiscuity, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and don't make plans to gratify the desires of the flesh. We conquer evil with good. And we conquer it with direct and overt acts of kindness. That's how we do it. That's how we, that's how we fight this battle. We conquer this evil with kindness. That is, if anyone has done you wrong, do not only forgive it, but avenge it by showing them kindness as well. It's like taking it to the whole next level. Don't just say it. Show it. You say you forgive, demonstrate it. You say you love, show love in a practical way. Passive resistance is one way to deal with evil. Like, man, I'm just not going to have anything to do with it. Not my fight. Okay, that's one way. But there is a better way to retaliate. And that is active benevolence. It's a better course of action. It's actually... Doing something, it, maybe it requires getting out of the comfort zone. But you realize that is required of us. It's, 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 it's his word. He's saying, conquer it with good. Show love in practical ways. This is an expectation of us, brothers and sisters. I did think about this, though. What if the authority in place is evil? What if I don't agree with their politics? What if I don't... Um, if I have to, do I have to obey them if they're asking me to do things that go against my religion? About my faith, about, you know, it says in the Word, should I, should I obey man or should I obey God? What if, there's, what if there's a struggle? And so I shared this a little bit earlier, but listen, in Romans 13:1, when he talks about the authorities, it's a startling statement given that the book of Romans was probably written in AD 56, 57. The emperor at the time was Nero, a decidedly evil ruler. Nero led one of the severest persecutions of the church or Christians in the history of the church. When Paul wrote this portion of scripture, he was aware of his wickedness, of Nero's wickedness, yet he does not question why God put him in power. And do you know that even in that particular situation, when there was so much evil going on, so much persecution, and it caused people to flee, do you know what happened when the people fled? The gospel went forth. They didn't just stay in that one particular area. In, that, in the midst of that, that difficult, difficult time, the gospel went forth. And so I love that, that, that uh, illustration of the crumbling of the paper. And even in the midst of all the pain and all the marks and all of the, the stuff that we would say was not enjoyable at all, 
the gospel can go forth in the midst of that. When we give him that pain and when we, when we say, you know what, even though I don't agree, I'll walk in obedience. I love where it says, you know, where we don't, we don't have to be afraid of the authority if we're doing what is right. If you're driving the speed limit, you don't have to be afraid of the police officer behind you, right? But, he, but I, I don't know about you, but I still am. I'm like, man, what am I doing wrong? My blinkers work? My brake light works? I don't know. Is my tags expired? I don't know. Is it, am I doing anything wrong? I'm still feeling guilty, even though I know that uh, out of a few people in my family, I drive the speed limit. I'm not even going to mention him a speeding ticket. I'm not even going to talk about it today. Not today. Maybe some other time. <laughs> yeah. But you don't have to be afraid when we're walking and we're doing the right thing. But I think there are some extreme cases that we might run into, things that we're going to be asked to do or things that are going to be required of us, and we have to just allow the Holy Spirit and our conscience to guide us. You know, I might decide right then, I just, I can't, I can't do that. And I'll have to pay the consequence that goes along with it. That's a whole other sermon. We could take a lot of time talking about that. But when we look at the overall context of this passage and focus on the idea of what our response is to be when it comes to the, the law that's in place, rules that we have to follow, and etc., we know that um, it is best to be obedient, to do the right thing, because there's blessing that comes to it. It's expected of us. Kids, any kids in the room? Raise your hand, kids, if you hear my voice and you're like, I'm a kid, raise your hand. All right, yeah, even, yeah, Amy, you're still a kid, all right, even though you're going to be a senior in high school. Listen, isn't that ring true at home? You don't have to be worried about consequences if you know that you're being obedient and you're doing the right thing. Isn't there peace that comes along with that? But when you're not, there's always this thought of, oh, I know my mom's going to find out. Like I always knew my mom would find out. It'd probably take her a couple days, but she would find out. We lived in a small town, and it was just a few days later, and the word would get out, and she would find out. It happened every single time. But when I was doing the right thing, I didn't have to worry about it. But what has love got to do with any of this? <laughs> well, it's got everything to do with it. Paul was bidding us to pay attention to our relationships, our relationships with the people in our uh, community, the people that are in authority over us, but also the people that we come in contact with right here in church and the people in our community. He was encouraging us to love. I love what it says in verse 8. Do not owe anything or anyone anything except to love one another. For this love, loving one another, has fulfilled the law. That's all we owe. Like, that's the best thing I can give you anyway. I owe you my love. It's required of me. And the number one reason is because I was loved first by God. And it's, it is expected of me. It is actually commanded. And it must be that in this particular context, the people were... We're a little bit sleepy <laughs> when it comes to loving one another. Paul must have got word that people were not holding up their obligation to love each other well. And there are plenty of times in church, ladies and gentlemen, there's plenty of times in our own lives where we have to love each other well. 
the loss of someone in their family is that time. If you ever wondered, is there a time that I should love? That time. You know, that's when we must come together and come alongside the other people and love them. And of course, there's really no time we're not supposed to love. But those are just one particular example of when it's a good idea. This is all the law summed up in that thing. It's just loving God and loving others. It says, love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. And you know, earlier I said it's not just expected, it's a command. Jesus in John chapter 13, verse 34 says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you, should, you must love one another. That's what he calls us to do. At the end of this passage of Scripture, he tells people to wake up. He says it's time to wake up. It's time to to start loving each other well. Because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. And if you're a person that you've been walking with Jesus for quite a long time, that is so true, isn't it? (laughs) That your salvation, your time to be with the Lord is so close. It's getting closer by the day than when you first believed. But he's telling the church, he's saying it's time to wake up. He says, put on Jesus. And there's a sense of this reality that Christ lives in us, but he wants to demonstrate himself outside of us. In Scripture, it says that we are the light of the world, right? Light of the world. And what are you supposed to do? with a light. You're supposed to put it so that it can shine. And what does the light do? What does it help? What can this light do? It helps you see, obviously. It dispels the darkness. I mean, if if we killed a projector, it would be a lot darker in here. But it helps you see. What else can it do? It draws your attention. Do you know why Kelly made such an impact in this school? It's not because she cleaned the floors better than anybody else. It's because she loved well. And she not only kept it on the inside, she let it shine on the outside. Where does it say that Jesus Jesus says that we're supposed to be salt and light, right? Salt keeps things from decaying. Do you think the world is in the process of decaying? Man, just look around you. And it's our mission, the expectation of followers of Jesus Christ is to be salt and light so that other people can see, the attention can be drawn, not to them, but to the one who lives in them. And to let our light shine. A sweet little friend of mine, Dorothy Jean, I went over to her house the other day and she's like, oh, hey, I, I borrowed this book a long time ago and I gave... I just want to give it back to you. And so listen to this little piece that Billy Graham wrote in this book called The Holy Spirit. He's talking about Christians putting on Jesus and demonstrating light to a dark world. It says, to spell out the metaphors further, salt and light are essential in our homes. Light dissipates the darkness and salt prevents decay. 
The Bible tells us that the state of the world will grow darker as we near the end of the age. The world has no light of its own, and it is marked by a process of accelerating decay. However, Jesus taught us that we who are his followers, though weak and small in number, act as salt so that we can hinder the process of decline. Christians at work in the world are the only real spiritual light in the midst of great spiritual darkness. Can I get an amen? Do you know what? They're talking. It's you. You're the only light in this world. And it's Christ in us through the power of the Holy Spirit displaying his brightness to the rest of the world. In studying the Old Testament prophets, we discover that a part of the judgment on the wicked is the destruction of the righteous. This places a tremendous responsibility on all of us. Only as the world sees our good works do they know that a light is shining. Only as the world senses our moral presence are they conscious of the salt. This is why Christ warned against salt losing its saltiness and the light dimming. He said, let your light shine before men so they might glorify the Father in heaven. If you and I filled this role faithfully, there would be a dramatic but peaceful revolution in the world almost overnight. We Christians are not powerless. We have the mighty power of God available through him who we call the Holy Spirit. And it lives in us, but it is supposed to shine on the outside of us. And when we love each other the right way, that's exactly what happens. We're getting ready to do the Lord's Supper. And so here's, here's what we're going to do. When, um, when I give you the signal, matter of fact, we're going to have you stand up now. And here's how we do communion. We are, we'll just dismiss row by row, and you're going to come to your right, and you're going to come forward. So if you have... Your regular offering, your regular tithe that you bring to the church, drop that in the basket. And then if you want to give a gift to this family in our community, our love offering, I'm going to just place this right here on the uh, stage, and you can just place it inside this envelope, okay? And we'll make sure it gets to the family. So what you'll do is you'll come forward, you'll drop off your gifts, you'll come and take, and if you're serving communion, go ahead and come on forward. That's you today. You'll take a juice and you'll take a bread. We do have gluten-free if, if that's something that you need. Take the elements and then you're going to go back to your, to your uh, chair and you're going to wait and we'll do it together at the end. That's how we'll finish our time together today.